Henry Cejudo makes his long-awaited return to the octagon at UFC 288 to take on Aljamain Sterling for the Bantamweight title. Also, Gilbert Burns goes back-to-back at UFC 287 and now UFC 288. He beat Masvidal. Can he beat Bilal Muhammad? We'll get into these two topics as as well as Hamza Chamayev has a new opponent, potentially. He finally gets called out by a real UFC fighter. We got these topics and more next. Broadcasting live from an undisclosed location. This is the community MMA with your host, Chris Cross. Yes, sir. I'm excited, man. UFC 288 this Saturday night. 14 fights. We already got nine predictions done. Well, eight, actually, because we just found out that Mavsarev Loev lost his opponent, Bryce Mitchell. That's a big loss. He's got a new opponent, and he's probably going to mop the floor with him. So we had him predicted to win over Bryce Mitchell. He's undefeated and will likely win when we do that prediction. So... You know, we're giving you a little information before you do that prediction, but it is what it is. But Aljamain Sterling versus Henry Cejudo, I like the matchup. This is big for Sterling if he can get the win. We'll see. You know he's, I believe, five or six on the do list. So you know, you know, we like him, but Henry Cejudo is the real deal as well, folks. We haven't seen him in a while. He's probably well-rested, but he's older, two or three years older, and he was slowing down the last time we saw him. Bilal Muhammad versus Gilbert Burns, four versus five, welterweight division. So we got all these predictions coming. Just sit tight. But first and foremost, Hamza Chamayev was called out by none other than Kamara Uzman. Who's probably using uh, Hamza's name to get in the news, to get a big fight that would guarantee him a a rematch for the title. Uh, What would this be? Would this be a trilogy? No, this would be the fourth fight between him and Leon Edwards if that happens. Or if Colby wins, he's definitely fighting Colby. Because then you want to see that trilogy. So, again, we're headed towards back-to-back-to-back fights or rematches, which seems to never end in the UFC. But I do like that Kamaru Usman called out Hamza because we finally need an opponent that says, hey, I'll fight Hamza, and I'm not scared of him. Now, is it in Hamza's best interest to go to welterweight? Probably not. It's probably in Hamza's best interest to stay at middleweight or even go to light heavyweight, wherever the path is more clear. So what does Usman really do for him in those two divisions? Uh, I don't really know. So that's a tough fight. He's probably better off fighting a Paulo Costa in the middleweight division because there's a lot of people that believe, man, Paulo's going to give him a run for his money. I beg to differ. He got destroyed by Adesanya. He got beat by Marvin Vittori, showed up overweight. He can do that against Hamza if he wants because Hamza is ripped, strong as can be, at middleweight, at 185 pounds. But if Usman, if Usman's willing to go up to 185, then I say bring it on. But at welterweight, no way. We can't do it at welterweight, Usman. We just can't do it. That's too much of a gamble. 
You know, Hamza can't be making weight at 170 for two, three, four more fights. You know, his time is gone. By the time he fights for the title in the welterweight, he's going to be near 30 years old. It's harder and harder uh, to make weight as you get older. But at least we have a call out. At least we have a guy that's willing to say, hey, I'll fight Hamza Chamaev. And I love it. I love it. I just want my man to fight at this point. We wanted the title shot, but that's crystal clear. It's not going to happen. So we'll take the next best thing. And that's a fight potentially uh, against Kamar Uzman or Paulo Costa. Either one is good. Now, as we slide into UFC 288, we're looking at four of the top five fights. We had the Bryce Mitchell, Mavsar of Loeff fight on tap, ready to go. But that fight was canceled today. Thankfully, it was today before we did the podcast. So today we're going to begin uh, with Jessica Andrade versus Jan Gione, which is going to be a crazy intense fight in the first fight of the main card. So here we go. Let's rock and roll. In the women's strawweight division at UFC 288, you got Jessica Andrade coming at 24 and 10. The Brazilian taking on Jan Gione, who comes in at 16 and 3, fighting out of China, right? She's 5'5 compared to the 5'1 Andrade. So she's 4 inches taller. She's got a 1 inch reach advantage, 63 62. Both fight right handed. Now, both are very active. 6.8 significant strikes per minute for Andrade. Jan, 5.5. Both very good. Andrade also has an advantage on the ground as she lands roughly one takedown uh, every round. Jan's going to land one like every three rounds. So although Jan would stack up nicely against most, both, uh, most fighters, not against Andrade, who also has a 73% takedown defense. Now she lost to Aaron Blanchfield in her last fight. Blanchfield's 11-1. But before that, she beat uh, Lauren Murphy, Amanda Limos, and Cynthia Calvillo. So, you know, she's looked really good over the course uh, of the last, really, five to eight fights since losing the title to Rose Namajunas. Now, Jan coming off the win over Mackenzie Dern. That opened some eyes. She's also got a 70% takedown defense. So she was taken down twice by Dern, but still won a majority decision. On significant strikes. That's not going to happen in this case. For that, she lost to Marina Rodriguez and Carla Esparza. So the only thing that's concerning to me here, and I'm going with Jessica Andrade flat out, I'm just concerned uh, you know, that a lot of these stats and really her strength is much stronger in one weight class up. So she's going back down to straw weight. She's kind of worked her way up to flyweight, back down to straw weight, and so on. I don't know if the power is there as much. It's still there, but she's very active. And I think that still carries her to victory here, likely by decision. In my opinion, she'll defend the takedowns well. She'll land takedowns and definitely outpace Jan to move to 25 and 10, women's strawweight division, UFC 288. Yeah, so Jessica Andrade uh, is where it's at. And she's been going up and down in divisions, flyweight, uh, back to strawweight, Trying to find her groove. Looked like she was climbing in flyweight. Lost to Shevchenko. Stayed up there. Back down now. And, you know, maybe it's a straw weight. I mean, she made a run in flyweight. She looked good. She came in there with a lot of speed for flyweights. They had a tough time matching up against her. But Shevchenko did not. So she reached a ceiling and started to fall. And now she's got to go back to a women's straw weight. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because she's, you know, she was once the champion. 
got beat by Zhang Wiley in China, but you know she's still very good, and so is Yan Jionin. So it should be a great fight, a great fight. So as we work our way uh, through these fights, we got another women's fight on tap: Marina Rodriguez versus uh, Verna Chandarova. Check this out. In the women's strawweight division at UFC 288, you got Marina Rodriguez taking on Verna Jandaroba. And this is going to be a tough prediction because Rodriguez is 16 and 2, Jandaroba 18 and 3. It's Brazil on Brazil. So you got two similar styles, two similar matchups in this fight. Now, Rodriguez is three inches taller at 5'6. They're both getting up there in age a little bit. Uh, Rodriguez 36, Jandaroba 34. You know, you start creeping into those later 30s as time goes on. You start to slow down, but they're not quite there yet. Rodriguez, one-inch reach advantage, 65-64. They both stand right-handed. Marina Rodriguez, much more active, 4.8 significant strikes per minute to 2.5 for Jandaroba. But it's Jandaroba who goes in for takedown. She gets about two over the course of a fight, over the course of three rounds, to be exact. Now, Marina Rodriguez, 65% takedown defense. That's average. Not great, not terrible. In her last fight against Amanda Limo, she gave up one takedown, got KO'd in the third round. But be, you know, so you can look at that. But you go back a few fights, she beat Jan Gionin, big win, Mackenzie Dern, Michelle Waters, and Gomez, all by decision. So impressive resume. Now Janda Roba, seventy-three percent takedown defense. That won't matter. She's facing a striker, coming off the win over Angela Hill by decision. She lost to. Amanda Rebus by decision, uh, and then beat Conico Murata by KO. Lost to Mackenzie Dern by decision. Got outstruck by 19 significant strikes. Now Marina Rodriguez beat Mackenzie Dern 144 to 49 in terms of significant strikes. So, and yes, Mackenzie Dern was kind of two different fighters in both of those fights, but it's just clear to me that Marina Rodriguez is the better fighter in this situation, but it's not going to be an easy fight. Verna Jandaroba brings it. She wins, what, 18 out of 21 times. She can take you down if she gets in trouble. So, I mean, look for Marina Rodriguez to get off on the strikes. Look for Jandaroba to go for level changes to try to slow things down. And we've seen Brazilians do this in the past, this last weekend especially, where in two fights the Brazilians were in trouble. On the feet, they go in for the takedown and get the submission. So it's never really over. But look for Marina Rodriguez to get the win here by decision, in my opinion, to move to 17-2, women's strawweight division, UFC 288. I like that pick. And these are always tough picks when it comes to the women's divisions, especially in a pay-per-view setting because they're so evenly matched. When you look at the numbers, one is a better striker, one's better at takedown. So then you got to go back to the takedown defense at a striker. And try to make a decision. And again, it's never easy. But Marina Rodriguez, in my opinion, uh, will come in here and win this fight. But Verna Jandaroba is tough. She's got big sh- uh, shoulders. She's strong. And nothing is a given here when you got Brazil on Brazil. I mean, you got two fighters that will be able to strike. Two fighters that can go to the ground. Two fighters that got good takedown defense. So, I mean, these are great technical matchups. Uh, when you got Brazil on Brazil, and it happens more more times than not. It seems like every card is a Brazil on Brazil. Always a tough prediction. So as we work our way up to the co-main event, right, we got 
Mavsarov Loev went in and fight three. So he got a new opponent. We didn't get the prediction done in time. But as we slide into uh, the co-main event, you got Bilal Muhammad at number four, Gilbert Burns at number five. And man, this is going to be a great fight. And it's hard to believe Burns is coming back just 28 days later after he beat Jorge Masvidal. I mean, this guy's got guts and he's looking to win and move up. So let's get into that prediction right now. In the welterweight division at UFC 288, this is your co-main event. Just added, Gilbert Burns, 22-5, and five, takes on Bilal, remember the name, Muhammad, who comes in at 22-3. and three. And This is going to be a blockbuster fight, make no mistake about it. Muhammad, one inch taller at 5'11". Both guys relatively the same age. Uh, Muhammad's 34, Burns 36. Muhammad's got a one inch reach advantage. Both guys fight right-handed. Now, to some of the differences, Muhammad is a little bit more active than Burns. 4.5 significant strikes per minute compared to 3.4 for Burns. The takedown game is almost equal. Both guys get about two takedowns over the course of three rounds. Now, where things aren't equal is takedown defense. Burns, 47%, not very good. Bilal, 92%, and that's a big stat right there in this fight. But Burns, since the Hamza Chamayev loss uh, in April of 2022, last year, he's beaten Neil Magny by submission. Jorge Masvidal, decision. And you've seen this from a lot of guys that Hamza has fought. You look at their record afterwards, like Gerald Mearshart went 4-1 and one over the course of the next five fights. Burns is now 2-0 uh, and o since the Hamza fight. So that's something to keep an eye on is, you know, you get in the octagon with Hamza and Gilbert Burns was in the octagon for a full three rounds, had to make him a better fighter in that situation. Now, Bilal Muhammad coming off the win over Sean Brady, it was a big one because Brady was rising. Second round KO. He beat Vicente Luque. And say what you want, Luque was off that night, didn't have his best night at the time. Uh, Vicente was a fighter that no one wanted to fight. I mean, he was on the rise. He also beat Steven Thompson and Damian Maya. I mean, this guy is surging. And this might be one of the toughest predictions of the year. One of the few fights I started to look at before I pressed the record button, right? And I still can't make a decision, but I got to make one now. And I'm going to lean with Bilal Muhammad in this fight. Even though I almost always go with guys that Hamza Chamayev recently fought. I went with Kevin Holland against Ponza Nibio when a lot of people went the other way. I've gone with Gerald Mearshart several times. I backed Burns in the last two fights. He hasn't let me down. But this time I'm going against Burns. I like Bilal Muhammad. You look at the last four fights, Bilal Muhammad is peaking right now in his career. He's still 34 years old. He'll turn the corner in the next two to three years, but that's not today. So I like Bilal Muhammad potentially to get the finish, but likely win this thing by decision uh, to move to 23-3. and three. He'll do it on significant strikes, take down defense. He'll keep this fight standing and outstrike Gilbert Burns. Again, to move to 23-3, and three, in my opinion, welterweight division co-main event, UFC 288. Yeah, and as I'm making that prediction, I'm not even confident. I mean, that's a tough prediction. Because Burns could very easily go in there and and whoop up on Bilal. You just don't know. All three of these predictions so far, very tough. Could win all three, could lose all three. In the past, we've been very good in pay-per-view uh, main cards. 
in the pay-per-view portion of uh, these events. We've been very good. Last two, we were 11-3 and three overall. Another 14-fight card. You know, it's very hard to do that again, especially after going 5-6 and six last week, but we'll see. But now we get into the main event, and your boy, Aljamain Sterling, is the champ. You don't see Henry Cejudo on there because he hasn't fought in two or three years. But he makes his return. It could jump right to the to the belt very easily. And, of course, we got Aljamain Sterling at number five on the do list. This is not a pound-for-pound pound list, although I will put pound-for-pound pound number one Hamza either way. But this is a who-are-your-favorite-fighters list, right? You walk walk up to someone on the street and say, hey, man, you, oh, you watch UFC too. Who, who are your favorite fighters? Those are my top five. Hamza, John Jones, Islam, Yuri, and Aljamain Sterling. So let's get into this prediction. It's a big one. The main event at UFC 288 in the Bantamweight division for the Bantamweight division title at UFC 288. You got Aljamain Sterling, the current champ, 22-3, and three, taking on a former champ and making the comeback, Henry Cejudo, who comes in at 16-2. and two. And this fight is even money for entertainment purposes only. Sterling, 5'7", three inches taller than Cejudo. Cejudo now 36, Sterling just 33. Both guys, I mean, Sterling in the prime of his career, Cejudo kind of heading downward, but he's also fresh. Keep that in mind throughout the prediction. Sterling has a 7-inch reach advantage. Both guys stand right-handed. Now, Sterling a little more active, 4.7 significant strikes to 4 per minute for Cejudo. So Sterling will outpace him over the course of 25 minutes by about 15 to 18 significant strikes based on the average. Takedown average, both guys land about two takedowns uh, over the course of three rounds. You can expect two or three takedowns in this fight, and it will certainly go to the ground at some point. Sterling, just a 41% takedown defense. That's a big problem. Now, he beat TJ Dillashaw by KO, beat Piotr Jan twice, one by disqualification, one by split decision on his way to capture uh, the title, and then defended it once. So Sterling, uh, you know, the reigning champion. Again, Henry Cejudo coming in trying to capture the belt, get it back, and then probably uh, call for an immediate title shot at featherweight, which he would get. Cejudo, 93% takedown defense. In his last fight, he KO'd Dominic Cruz in the second round. That was in May of 2020. He beat Marlon Moraes by KO and TJ Dillashaw by KO. So Cejudo's for real, but we don't know what he's getting after the long layoff, except for the fact that he's fresh. We know Aljamain Sterling is at his height, and because of that, and because I like Sterling, I, I think he's going to win this fight. The The biggest question mark is a takedown defense. I think he answers that in this fight. Yeah, he'll give up one, two, maybe even three takedowns, but he's still winning three rounds uh, in a unanimous decision victory, in my opinion, because he's going to outstrike Cejudo and uh, minimize any problems on the ground, likely get up quickly on two out of three of those. So again, he wins three or four rounds in this fight. And it, as long as it goes to a decision, he wins to move to 23-3. and three. So Hudo will fall. The comeback will fall short. In my opinion, he'll fall to 16-3, and three, Bantamweight division, UFC 288. Yeah, you already know if a guy's on the do list, we're going with him. But can you imagine if Henry Cejudo comes back and wins this and gets to fight Volkanovski more than likely uh, to become potentially, you know, it's a lot of ifs here, but potentially uh, the first three-belt champ in the UFC. Can you imagine that it will be Henry Cejudo? I can't. But if he comes back and wins this, he's guaranteed a featherweight title shot. 
make no mistake about it. And this is going to be a blockbuster fight. You know, I think Sean O'Malley should have got this fight. But at the same time, you know, the UFC has given Cejudo what he wants. And he's well-rested. He can come in and, and get through this fight and get into a, a, a potential featherweight title fight uh, when he's still pretty fresh. Get that and then ride off into the sunset. Now, as we work our way into the Q&A, Shandrahar, uh, RAO says, my man can't make weight and treats it like a joke. How would you make money? Speaking of Hamza. Yeah. You know, and I think he's talking about Hamza. Could be Paulo Costa. But both of those guys have trouble making weight. Make no mistake about it. Mo Larry Curley, Mitchell sub round two. Well, Mitchell's out now, but Mavsar will win that fight regardless, in my opinion. But that's just my opinion. Kenny Moody. I'm going for Bryce. He's going to crush Evloev. Styles make fights just like everyone thought Ricky Simone was going to win and Song Adong KO'd him, you know. But again, so we now know uh, since we pulled these comments that Mitchell's out. But just to show you what people were thinking, I think Mavsar beats everybody in this division except maybe the champ. I mean, that's how good he is. He's 16-0. and He's undefeated. Forget about it. Now he's definitely winning. Kenneth Bruner weighs in and said he needs to stay the course at 185. Usman needs Hamza to fight for him to remain relevant. Usman needs Hamza as a golden ticket. It's either title shot now at 170 or forget about it. Usman is washed up and trying to cling on to a lifeboat. Let Usman have Shafkat unless Usman wants to move up to 85. Then I support that fight 100%. And I'm, and I'm usually with Bruner on this stuff because we're both Hamza fans. And I don't think he should fight Usman at 170. Not that he couldn't still beat him, but that would be a much tougher fight because he would be lean. He'd have to really squeeze down into the weight. You saw he didn't make weight against Nate Diaz, not because he couldn't, but because it's just like it's Nate Diaz. What's he really going to gain from it? So he wasn't serious about making weight, and the UFC told him to stop cutting uh, several hours before he had to make weight. Probably could have still made weight, but the UFC stopped him. That was the UFC's choice. But I get it. Hamza wasn't prepared to make weight at the same time it could be set. Usman at 185 makes sense if Usman wants to do that. Nah, Mully, I'm a big fan of Hamza, but I don't think he will walk through Costa. That'll be the toughest fight of his life. There's a possibility of a loss too. Yeah, and I'm totally against that comment, but I certainly respect it. LaFlop James says, Costa who missed weight by over 20 pounds on purpose versus Vittori and still lost. Costa who said uh, he drank right before uh, the title fight. Okay. Saying he's got no chance to beat Hamza, you know, and I, I tend to agree with that. I mean, Costa isn't serious about making weight either. He doesn't worry about the 20 or 30% he's going to lose. He's trying to win the fight, but guess what? He lost 20 or 30% of his check for missing weight and lost the fight. Luckily for him, uh, he's either signed or getting ready to sign a new UFC contract, but no, he's not going to beat Hamza. Uh, not anytime soon or never unless Hamza is 50 and he's like 30 which unless something changes that's not physically possible but listen we got through it man you know we're right around the corner from UFC 288 I'm looking forward to it I can't wait I cannot wait but for now this is your boy Chris Cross hope you have a great day and God bless peace